In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. St. Isaac says, It's better to acquire purity of heart than to convert whole nations of heathens from their error. It's better to acquire purity of heart than to convert whole nations of heathens from their error. Today, the Church presents us with a beautiful model of purity and repentance. Right? As this woman comes to Christ and washes His feet with her tears. And this woman cleanses herself with these tears of repentance. Right? And these tears are precious. They're essentially what transform her life. Such tears are so valuable, they're so precious, that St. John Climacus goes so far as to say that they're even more valuable than the waters of baptism. Right? Because through her tears and through her repentance, she restored her life. Right? I have to ask myself, if I'm living this life of repentance, am I living a life of repentance? So this is a central topic in our faith, right? the topic of repentance, the topic of restoring our life and returning back to God. So I want to dig into this a little, and hopefully within these two weeks, today and next week as well, we'll focus on this topic, the topic of repentance. So today, I want to stress the necessity and value of repentance. The necessity and value of repentance. And next week, we'll talk about how to live a life of repentance. Okay? So first of all, repentance is necessary for salvation. It's essential. It's necessary for salvation. Our whole life is a process of repentance. A lot of times we think that repentance is reserved for the sinner, for the beginner. You know, just a select few people that need it. But as we advance, then we're tempted to think we need it even less. St. Isaiah the Syrian says, This life has been given to you for repentance. Do not waste it in vain pursuits. This whole life is given to you for repentance. Don't waste it in vain pursuits. Right? And so repentance is not just for the beginner or just for the sinners. We need to repent just as we need to eat, just as we need to drink, just as we need to breathe. Because repentance is really nothing more than our return to God, our reunion with God. Think about Job. Job was perfect. He really was. No one is without sin except for God, of course, but listen to how God described His servant Job. When the Lord responded to Satan... He said, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? This is how God describes Job. Now, it's one thing if Abuna says a complimentary word about you, and he says, Look, you know, Jonathan is such a good man, or Luke is such a good little child. Sure, Abuna's word is valuable. But God himself says... Job is a blameless man. Right? Job is one who fears God and shuns evil. There is none like him on all the earth. A blameless and upright man. That's a big deal. God himself testifies that Job is this righteous man. That's a big deal. How does the story of Job end? With the repentance of this upright and just man. With the repentance of this man who fears the Lord. 
with the repentance of this man who shuns evil, with the repentance of a man that doesn't compare to anyone else. Right? Why? Because Job, with all his uprightness, recognized there is still need for repentance. And so the story in, in Job in chapter 42, verse 5 and 6, concludes like this. Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I repent in dust and ashes. He doesn't just take it lightly. He says, you know, I'm a decent man. Sure, I have my flaws, I have my weaknesses, but look what God said about me. I don't need to repent. No, he repents. And he repents with all seriousness. He repents from the bottom of his heart, in dust and ashes. That's a serious repentance. His Holiness Pope Shenouda III says, Repentance is not merely a stage which passes, it remains with us. He who thinks that he passed the stage of repentance hasn't examined himself well. I'm embarrassed to go into further detail, since some of the people might fall into humiliation. Silence is better. He says, I don't even want to talk about this. I don't want to offend people. Because a lot of times we repent our need for repentance. He goes on to say, Suffice it to say that repentance is a must for all of us in every day of our lives. If only we would all read and contemplate the spiritual stages that were reached by the saints, then we would know that we are sinners. Amazingly, the saints who reached these stages used to say that they were sinners who required repentance, and they wept over their sins. What then should we do? What then should we do? If the saints, as they reached these levels of perfection, saw a greater need for repentance, how much more is our need to repent? And to repent with a genuine repentance, not just going through the motions and the mechanics, but to recognize that, I truly need to return back to God. There are certain areas in my life that need purification. Think about the story of Abba Zosowas. Abba Zosowas was a great elder. And you know, as one of the elders or any of the monks would come near their departure, he would lay in bed and all the other monks would gather around the father who's near their departure. And so this is exactly what happened at the end of Abba Zosowas' life. He's taking his last few breaths and all the other monks are sitting around him. And they see his face shining brightly. His face is shining. Right? This is how holy he was. And he's talking to St. Anthony and the disciples and the apostles. He's conversing with all of these holy people. Right? And then they see his face shining even brighter. And he starts to talk to someone else. And they're asking, who are you talking to? He says, I'm talking to the angels that have finally come to take my soul. And I'm pleading with them to give me a little bit more time to repent. And they say, you, Abba always you need more time? You don't, you don't need to repent. And this is how he responded. The story concludes to say, Saints and always said with great humility, I do not think I've even begun to repent. How convicting is that? I haven't even started. What do you mean? You're literally 
having a dialogue with all of the saints. Your face is shining brightly. No, I haven't even started. How many of us have that very same mindset? St. Isaac the Syrian says, At all times during the 24 hours of the day, we're in need of repentance. Every day, you don't sit for one hour with yourself and think about the day's sins and your shortcomings to help yourself up again. Then don't count the day as part of your life. If you don't spend an hour examining yourself and repenting, don't count that day as a part of your life. Forget an hour. How about just a minute? Maybe an hour is a little excessive. How about just a minute? Do we have time to repent? I mean, we have all the time in the world, but we need to intentionally dedicate that time as a part of our life. That's why we see amazing saints, like St. Pope Krolos, who would always stand at the altar weeping. How is it that this man who can prophesy tell the future, cast out demons and heal the sick, and do all of these amazing wonders and miracles, would stand at the altar weeping in tears. Why? Because he recognized himself as the chief among sinners, just like St. Paul. He recognized that he is weak, that he is totally poor. Right? He was a beggar in front of God. I have nothing without you. And so repentance is necessary not because we're atrocious people, but because we are dependent on God. We are in need of God. It's not to deprecate ourselves, but it's to recognize our dependence and our need. And because of our dependence, because of our need for God, we need to continue begging Him to refine us and to transform our life. St. John Climacus says, without repentance... Without the tears that God gives us to repent, almost no one would be saved. He says, If God, in His love for mankind, had not given us tears, few indeed and hard to find would be those who are saved. Without repentance, you'd scarcely find a man that held on to his salvation. And that's why he says, the tears of repentance are even greater than the waters of baptism. Because... Once we're baptized, we stain our robe. And we lose that, that purity that God gives us from the sacrament. How do we renew that purity? How do we renew our life? It's through the tears that we shed in repenting. I have to ask myself, am I living a life of repentance? Am I truly living a life of repentance? Not only is repentance essential, not only is it necessary... But nothing is more precious to God than our return to Him. What gladdens the heart of a father than his son running back to him? Think about that. What's more precious to God than that? There's a beautiful story. Leslie Weatherhead tells this legend from, from the war. There was a mother who had a particularly gifted son. And... This son was brilliant. He was talented. He had a lot of uh, physical abilities. And so he had a scholarship to go study at Oxford. And you know, he graduated at the top of his class, a brilliant young man. And then because of his physical gifts and his abilities, he was 
enlisted in the war and he went to fight in the war. And in one of the battles that he went to fight, he died in one of these battles. He gave his life as a hero fighting for his country. A brilliant and courageous hero. And so a little bit later, this mother has a dream. An angel appears to her in this dream and he says, you're allowed to have your son back for just five minutes. Right? But you have to choose five minutes in his life that you want to relive again. Five minutes that you want to experience again. Do you want to see him as he's graduating with honors in Oxford or maybe the last five minutes as he's giving his life in battle as a hero? Like, what do you want? You choose. This is how the story goes. The mother didn't even hesitate. She said, if I can have him back for five minutes, I prefer to have him not when he was in Oxford and not when he was in war. I'd like to have him as a little boy on a certain day when he had disobeyed me. He had run into the garden angry and rebellious. Then pretty soon he came back and threw himself into my arms and he said he was sorry. His face was hot and red. His eyes were filled with tears. He looked so small and so precious. I saw his love in his eyes and felt his love in his body pressed close to mine and how my love went out to him at that moment. If I can have him back for just five minutes, let, he, let me have him back as a dear little repentant boy. This is what was most precious to a mother. And this is what's most precious to God, our loving Father as well. That's why Christ said, The heavens rejoice more over one sinner that repents than 99 righteous that have no need of repentance. Again, I have to ask myself, am I living a life of repentance? Do I recognize my need for repentance? Do I recognize the value of this path of repentance? The value of running back to God? St. John Climacus visited this monastery one time, and it was a pretty harsh monastery. It was a severe monastery where a lot of monks would discipline themselves in repentance and offer their, their penance in order to restore their life. And it really shocked him to see what these monks were doing to repent in this monastery. But as he returned and told his elder about what he saw, this is how he explained what he witnessed. He said, I saw them, Father. And I was amazed. He was amazed by these people who were repenting. And again, they were repenting in very harsh, severe ways. I'm not going to describe it because it is a little extreme. But he says, I saw them, Father, and I was amazed. And I considered those fallen mourners more blessed than those who have not fallen and are not mourning over themselves because as a result of their fall, they have risen by a sure resurrection. He saw them in a greater state of blessing. Because they recognized the assurance of salvation through repentance and the resurrection. Right? And he saw that they were in a greater place than those who never experienced that sweetness. Again, I have to ask myself, am I living a life of repentance? I'll conclude with uh, this beautiful story. God went to 
one of the angels in heaven, and he said, listen, I want you to go out into the world and find the most precious thing to me and bring it back. Take all the time you want, go out, search everywhere, just bring me back the most precious thing to me. And so the angel said, all right, I have a task to do. So he went out, he searched through the hills and valleys and countries and villages, going from one end of the earth to another. And after many years, he sees in a war, this man who's giving his life for his country and his family and his friends. And he has a wife back at home and a child that he's leaving behind. And he's giving his life as a sacrifice for all of these people he's defending. Right? And so as he's shedding his blood and sacrificing his life, the angel says, of course, this is such a precious thing to God. And so he takes this last drop of blood and brings it back to God. And he says, I found the most precious thing. And he says, of course, that's the bloodshed of a hero. This is very precious to me. But you know, as much as he will receive the crown for his sacrifice, there's still something more precious. Go, go and search for the most precious thing to me. And so the angel went back out into the world and he was searching from one end of the world to the other, going back and forth. And after a few years, finally found a hospital where someone laying there sick with a terminal illness had this severe illness and it was so bad and it was so contagious that nobody went near this person. Except for this one nurse that would still head over there and stay with this patient as this patient is taking their last few breaths, knowing that she would contract this virus as well. And so, of course, that patient died, and the person caring for this patient contracted the virus. And soon enough, she was also on her deathbed because of the, the care and compassion that she gave to this person who was contagious. And so, as she's taking her last few breaths, the angel goes... And he takes that last breath. He says, of course, her love and charity to care for these people is very precious to God. This has to be the most precious thing. And so he takes her last dying breath and goes back up to God. And he presents God this last dying breath. He says, this is indeed very precious to me. She gave her life to serve and her, her love and her charity is very precious. But still, there's something more precious. Go back out and find me the most precious thing to me. Remember, what's most precious to me? And so the angel went out looking, going from one end of the world to the other. And finally, he saw this big vicious man, this thief who spent his life murdering and abusing people and like a very hateful life, very violent life. And so this man was plotting to go and rob another house. And he waited until the end of the night, just staying in front of this house, plotting at the opportune time to go in. And so it came at the end of the night, he's looking, gazing through the window, and he sees a mother and her child, and they're going through their bedtime routine. Right? And the mother is putting her child to bed, and you know, there's a candle that's lit right in front of the bed, and... There's an icon of the Theotokos on top of the candle and the mother is kneeling next to her child praying and they're going through this beautiful prayer to conclude the night as the child is going to bed. 
And as he's seeing all of this, suddenly it reminded him of his childhood when his mother would also light a candle before he would sleep and his mother would stay in front of his bed and she would pray and he would also have an icon of the Theotokos in front of him. All that brought these memories back. And suddenly his whole life flashed before his eyes. All of the murders and the violence and the abuse. And at that moment, the grace of God moved his heart and it pierced him with compunction. And at that moment, a tear just rolled down his cheek. And the angel raced over and grabbed this tear. He flew back to God and he said, Here, I have the tear of repentance. And he said, Yes, indeed. This truly is the most precious thing to me. The tear that opens the gate of heaven. If we understood our need for repentance and the value of repentance, the value of shedding our tears, of purifying our hearts, we would experience the grace of the second baptism, of a new life every day. And may God give us the grace to truly see that and to live a life of repentance. Unto Him is due all glory forever. Amen.